From the tithes and the offerings that you all bring, I just want you to know that the contributions that you make to the ministry here, it doesn't just stay right here. In fact, the very first check that we wrote out of our checking account when we planted the church, 1997, the very first check that we wrote was to Megan Reicheldurfer, a missionary. And uh, that was the very first check out of our checking account. And we had a heart for missions from day one, and we still have a heart for missions today. Um, some years ago, a young man and his wife, I met them, and uh, his name was Pete and Amy Bulette, and they are the Chi Alpha missionaries to UVA at Charlottesville. And you, you folks here at CVAG, we were the very first ones to support their, their missions outreach. The very first support group that they had was CVAG. And uh, since then, they raised all their support. They have done an amazing work at uh, UVA there in Charlottesville. And uh, my daughter and uh, son-in-law, they were actually serving in a church there in Charlottesville at the time. Charity was the, she was the children's pastor on staff there full-time. And um, Mark Byerly was the, uh, the youth pastor on staff there. And they didn't know each other. That's where they met. And um, so they started helping and working with Pete and Amy some. And Charity called me one day and says, Dad, there's a guy that has come that's helping uh, Pete and Amy. Um, his name is Anthony Saladino. Said, you need to have him come and preach. Said, he is an anointed man of God. And so since then, Anthony and Michelle, his wife, have gone to uh, Virginia Tech and became the Chi Alpha missionaries there. Now, Virginia Tech is not in our district. They're actually in the Appalachian District. And um, the Appalachian District, you may not know, but it's not a very wealthy district. It's a lot of poverty in the Appalachian region in the mountains there. So they were having a little trouble raising their support. And uh, we came into board meeting one day, and one of the board members says that, that they may have to close down the Chi Alpha ministry at Virginia Tech because they can't raise their support. So we just said, the, the board said, well, how much more do they need? And it was four times what we paid any other Chi Alpha missionary. And we said, well, one thing we can't allow to happen is we can't allow the Chi Alpha missionary work to stop at Virginia Tech. So we, we quadrupled our support to Anthony and Michelle. And brother, I'm going to tell you what, it is money well invested. Uh, just the other day, we had Taylor Comer here, who was a Chi Alpha missionary in Boston. She is the fruit of Anthony and Michelle's work there. And they're doing an amazing job. And Anthony's with us this morning. I've asked him to come and bring the word this morning. So let's give him a real warm welcome. This evening. Thank you, Pastor Bernie. Just wanted to say hi to you guys real quickly. And again, just say thank you guys so much for being behind us and our family and supporting us. And uh, CBAG is like family to us. When we come here, it feels like coming home. It really does. And um, man, God has just been doing some amazing things. I'm excited. Anthony's going to share some stories with you guys. But every time we come here, I feel like, uh, you know, whatever we feel like the Lord's kind of teaching us with the, the next generation, the younger generation, we like to give a little tidbit, a little, little tip of something that we feel like the Lord's really speaking to us about. And lately, something the Lord's really laid on our heart is just, again, teaching the next generation to pursue God's presence. 
and teaching them to minister before the Lord. Sometimes when we think about pursuing the presence of God, we think, well, that's for us to get something. But it's not just about that. It's about giving Jesus what he died for on that cross and, and the reward of his suffering and just teaching the next generation to minister to Jesus um, and to, to, to behold him and to, and to worship him and to love him and to enjoy being in his presence. And um, one series we did uh, a little while ago was on the book of Samuel. And one of, one of the stories here just... Um, in First Samuel 3, it says, Now the boy Samuel was ministering to the Lord in the presence of Eli. And the word of the Lord was rare in those days, and there were no frequent vision. At that time, Eli, whose eyesight had begun to grow dim so that he could not see, was lying down in his own place. The lamp of God had not yet gone out, and Samuel was lying down in the temple of the Lord where the ark of God was. And just in that... It's just powerful to see that Samuel, as a boy, was ministering to the Lord. He was ministering before the Lord. And not only that, um, he was sleeping next to the Ark of the Covenant. He was sleeping next to the presence of God. And Eli, although he wasn't perfect, a perfect mentor, um, he, he uh, helped foster that and kindle that in Samuel's life. And so did his mother. And so I just think as mothers and fathers in this place, let's keep getting our children and the next generation before the presence of God and keep uh, lifting up the banner of Jesus and just getting them before him and his cross and teaching them to minister to Jesus. Amen. 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 Here's your Bible. Thanks. Well, as she already said, we're so blessed and honored to come and be with you this morning. We're so grateful for our partnership in ministry. And I just wanted to share a little bit about what's been happening at Virginia Tech. I think, uh, Pastor Bernie, you were on a text at the beginning of the year where it said, hey, pray, we're praying and believing for 10, I mean, 30 people to get saved the first week of the semester. So they come moving in on a Sunday, but they don't start classes till a week from Monday. And so we're out on the ground, and we're running hard. We call it Mission Move-In. And we do an event every night to, to bring people into the community for them to encounter the Lord. And we've only ever seen 10 people give their life to Jesus that first week. And, and so I thought, let's get radical and believe for something bigger. And so I said, all right, 30, three times, you know, that's pretty big, like, and, and I, I texted some of our supporting pastors and said, hey, pray for this. This is, this is what we're believing for. Pray for this to happen. And you know what happened? At the end of the week, there was 54 students that gave their life to Jesus before they ever took their first class at Virginia Tech. Amen? God is, is moving, and that's fruit that we share together. I want to share two specific stories, though. There was a young lady that was, go, she was in her senior year, in the fall, she was in a sorority, and she was involved in some pretty dark things. She had come to our three-day prayer meeting. It was the first event she ever came to with Chi Alpha, which was right before Thanksgiving break. So we did these three days, 72 hours of prayer with a couple services mixed in, and she shows up to this meeting. Some, somebody invited her to this meeting, and she walks in, and I'm, I'm telling you, when you see people without the life of the Spirit in them, right, she looked like she was drained. 
And she sat almost dead-like in the seat that first night. Some people went over and prayed for her. She was unmoved. She came back the second night. And a couple people went over and prayed for her, still looking very much the same. And I saw one, from my seat, I saw one tear begin to trickle out of her eye, and I thought, breakthrough's coming. And so I walked over, and I started praying for her, and she lost it. I mean, the floodgates opened, and man, for the next 30 minutes, we were just praying and and speaking over her life, and obviously the Lord knows her more than I do, and he was speaking directly to the things that were going on in her life. And this is her, like, one of her first moments in the presence of the living God. She leaves that night. The next morning she comes back and she walks in that door and she's like jumping and skipping. And there's color in her face. And I walked up to her and I said, you look different. And she goes, I know. And the guy with her came because she was so transformed over the course of those three days that he's like, whatever happened to you, I got to figure, I got to see this. And he came and he gave his life to the Lord that day as well. Now, this young lady just graduated and she's serving with the Philly Dream Center. Right? And she's in ministry in in those moments, right? And she's being, obviously she's being trained and that kind of stuff in, in this time. But where would she be today if Chi Alpha didn't exist at Virginia Tech. Actually, when I had asked her if she would share her testimony the following Monday, like right away, and she gets up there, and, and I had a brief like, hey, let's, let's kind of talk through this a little bit, and she starts telling me the things that she was into, and I, my mouth just hit the floor. So she gets up there in front of our hundreds of students, and she starts telling them like, I threw away my tarot cards. I threw away all my demonic art. She showed me a picture of one of her pieces of art that she made. And it literally said, God is not here. And that night, she went home and she threw everything away because of the transformation that took place in her life. She had drugs in her room. She got rid of those. I mean, she was radically transformed and has helped bring women into the kingdom since, even at Virginia Tech, in her short span left in that moment. And that's just one story, right? Thank you so much. On behalf of that, that young lady, thank you for praying for us. Thank you for, for uh, giving to us. We're so, so grateful and honored to be at Virginia Tech. I don't know if you know this, but we've been praying and, and, and fighting for the Virginia Tech men's soccer team for a long time. And I've been slowly chipping away at the opportunity to start a Bible study. Last year was my first year that I actually had a consistent Bible study with a couple of the men that that played soccer at Virginia Tech. This year, coming back, we've had a little bit more momentum. And I got a picture of a young man. I don't know if we could throw that up there. This is Theo. This is... I don't know if you know this, but this is Virginia Tech's campus. This is our baptismal in the back of a truck in the middle of campus. And he just got baptized. He was, I think he was the last one, and he stood up and he gave out a yell. It was so precious. This young man sat in our Bible studies, and I'll never forget the moment in a Bible study where we were talking about the grace of God. And he, he said, wait, wait. You mean I don't have to do anything? I was like, 
that you just got to believe. I mean, I don't, there's not a requirement and things that I need to do. Like, the, the revelation was hitting him so hard in that moment. Um, it was such a powerful moment to see him before five other guys on the team have a revelation, you know, sitting there. After he got baptized, we got to baptize another young man named Ethan on the soccer team as well. And uh, I just want to say God is, 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 is moving so powerfully at Virginia Tech, but I believe wholeheartedly it's only because of the partnerships we have with churches like this that are, that are praying for missionaries, praying for, for us, praying for these students to encounter God. I, I remember saying a long time ago, and I'll, I'll remind you, is, is uh, every time you see a Virginia Tech sticker on the back of a car, would you just say this simple word, the simple sentence, God send revival to Virginia Tech? I believe we're experiencing some really un- unbelievable things. We've, we've done more deliverance ministry this year than ever before. Seen more demons cast out of people in this past year than ever before. And so thank you, thank you, thank you. Amen. Hey, let me pray. And I want to talk to you about the fear of the Lord today. Jesus, we love you. And we want to love you so much more. God, thank you that you know each and every one of our hearts. You know where we are. You know what we need to hear today. And we invite you, Holy Spirit, to do what only you can do. God, bring transformation to our lives today. God, if there are things hindering us from being able to see the fullness of who you are, God, would you remove them? God, if there are, are things, lies embedded in our hearts that we are unaware of, God, would you expose them and get rid of them today? Jesus, if we need a, an emotional touch of healing, a physical touch, God, would you bring it to our bodies today? God, through the power of your spoken word, we ask, God, that you would transform our lives. And would you allow the fear of God to grip us today? In Jesus' name, amen. Anxiety is raging in our nation. People are, are scared of so many things. Most of all, I believe, fear of failure not making it, fear of man. And then we have everything from fear of heights to fear of spiders to fear of every, everything under the sun, right? And it seems as though in our nation there's a rise of this. In fact, if you were to ask most university students, this is what plagues them is anxiety. We could have an altar call every week for those who are filled with anxiety to come forward and to encounter the peace of God because he's the prince of peace. And so I think when, when, when fear and, and anxiety rivet the, the nation and yet we see over and over and over again that we're not to fear in scripture, but we're to fear God, 
I think it's become kind of like this abstract idea. Like, what does it really mean to fear God? And, and I've been on this journey of like, I want to know way more about this because most of the times it's a reverence, right? We know it as a reverence. We know it as like, I should draw near to God, not a fear to run away, but a fear to come near. Exodus twenty twenty, Moses is up. The, he calls Israel to come. And they, they're, they're there and they see the mountain, uh, you know, it's covered in smoke and thunder and lightning. And it even says that when you look at the word lightning, some scholars say it's more like a, a fireball, which, you know, again, at the end of the day, we're like, okay, Israel, we get it. We understand why you don't want to come close. It's scary. It was a, it was a scary sight. Not something you want to run to. But Moses says... Don't fear. The Lord has come to test you that you may fear him and not sin. And what happens in this moment is that there's two different words for fear in the same sentence that Moses is calling. One is about trembling and the, and the kind of fear of running away. Of, and the other He's come to test you that you may fear him is a word of this, of this reverence that leads us to obedience. In other words, what's interesting about this moment is that there was a call to intimacy with God. But it was a call to come close to this one that is all-powerful and Israel stayed away, if you remember the story. And it seems as though for a really long time, they never got close enough to God to really understand. It's like they missed out on intimacy. They were always looking for what God could do for them, and if he didn't do it, they were disgruntled and wishing they were back in Egypt. And so there's this invitation that I believe God wants to give to us, and it's an invitation of intimacy through the fear of the Lord. And today I want to I wanna look, because I think, again, we can throw out terms and we can give definitions, right, of reverence that leads to obedience, but practically, what does it look like in my life to fear the Lord? Well, there's this place in Scripture where this man of God has this moment where an angel of the Lord says, now I know that you fear God. Now I know. And it just struck me when I was reading it, like, okay, well, what did this man do to get the attention of the Lord that he would, he would declare over him, now I know you fear God. Because I don't know about you, but I, I want to grow in this area of my life. And when I read this passage of Scripture, it makes me only want to grow in the fear of the Lord way more. Because of what we see, the actions of this man that summons 
the reality of fearing God in his life. So we're going to be in Genesis chapter 22. This man is known as Abraham. Let me say a couple things on the front end. Abraham, 75 years old, there is this call of God on his life and a, and a, a covenant that is made that he was going to be a, a blessing and his, his seed was going to be a blessing to the earth and they were going to outnumber the, the stars in the sky. And he's 75 years old. And so this test that we're about to read <clears throat> this may not happen tomorrow for you. But there is this process that God likes to take us through. And, and, and Abraham, you, as you read the story of Abraham, he doesn't always get it right. There's a couple times, right? He, he and his wife went down Egypt and... He lies about who she is, and God supernaturally protects them. Why? Why does he lie? Well, because he fears man. And he's learning what it's like to trust the God who's called him to be the father of many nations. He's learning. Then we also see this moment where you know, they're getting older. Scholars say somewhere around 86, he decides to take things into his own hands. Him and his wife, and they're like, hey, why don't you, why don't you just lay with Hagar and we'll get, a, we'll get a seed this way. So he does, and just guess what, guess what happens? His life does not get any easier. Isn't that amazing? See, I think, I think what's really interesting is that most of us in this place, me included, we, we want to take things into our own hands. Like there's certain aspects of what, who God is that we're like, okay, God, you got this. I trust you with this, but I'll, I'll deal with this myself. It took time for Abraham to learn to let go and just trust God to do what God does best. And that is, he's the ruler of all. You see, at the very core, before we get into this, I just want to say this. I believe that we can't truly fear God or the fear of God isn't played out in our life if we don't really let go and let God. If we're really trying to manage our life, and I think that's a challenge for us. But really, it comes down to calling the shots. We get so caught up in, in our culture and in our day-to-day -day that, that we go about through our day that we're the ones really calling the shots. We don't even ask God what he thinks about this. From the things we watch to the things we listen to, to the things we read, to the places we go, to the decisions we make. We move to this place, to that place. We take this job, we take that job. And sometimes we, we say we pray about it, but it's really the size, right, of the, of, the, of the paycheck that determines whether or not 
we take the job rather, or the benefits rather than, God, do you really, or is this what you're asking me to do? And, and without the fear of God, we will continue to live this way. And I don't know about you, but I don't want to live it that way anymore. I don't want to try to manufacture something. I, I want God to be God, and I want him to have control and to make the decisions. Trust me, he does a better job of that than I do. Anybody ever been there, right? Like I've made some bad decisions. Why? Because I didn't consult the Lord. I just thought it was a good idea, or it worked last time. And so Abraham's in this place in his life where he's had some history. He's had some history with the Lord. And God asks him to do something that I believe is probably the most difficult thing that he probably could ever ask anyone to do. Let's take a look. This is Genesis verse, chapter 22, verse 1. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. He said, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. And he cut the wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place of which God had told him. On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and he saw the place from afar. Then Abraham said to, this young, to, the, to his young men, stay here with the donkey and I and the boy will go over and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood and the burnt offering and he laid it on Isaac, his son, and he took in his hand the fire and the knife. So they went both of them together. And Isaac said to his father, Abraham, my father, he said, here I am, my son. He said, behold, the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for the burnt offering? Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they went both of them together. When they came to the place of which God had told him, Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in order to, and bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out in his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. And he said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him for now. I know that you fear God, seeing you've not withheld your son, your only son from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by its horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. The first thing we see is Abraham, first of all, is ready at the moment God calls him. Here I am. Here I am. He's ready. But what happens next, I just don't think Abraham was ready for. Take your only son, the son that you love, and go offer him up as a burnt sacrifice. Now, I want you to understand this. In the ancient Near East, the, the pagan people, they would often and sacrifice their children. So this has got to be a little bit confusing to Abraham. Right? Like, wait, Yahweh has never asked anybody 
to kill their son. And so this doesn't necessarily line up with everything that Abraham has known about Yahweh at this point, right? So this is a little bit outside the box. And, and Abraham, you know what? What's amazing to me is that he's, it's so obvious that he's no longer taking things in his hand and trying to figure out how to make this thing work in his mind and in his heart. He's like, no, you know what? Because early in the morning, I mean, I don't know about you, but like, God gives him a directive and he goes right to it early in the morning. You know what he didn't do? He didn't fast and pray about it. You're like, what do you, listen, sometimes God speaks and tells us to do something and we, and we say things like this, well, I just need to fast and pray about it. Do you really? Because if God spoke, it's already spoken. What are you fasting and praying for? You know what I think we fast and pray? And I've been guilty of this, right? Because we over-spiritualize our disobedience. I feel better about my disobedience when I make it spiritual. But God is looking for people that fear him and obey immediately. Lord, help us, right? I don't know about you, but I need some help here because I want to be that kind of man. I want to be that kind of lover of God that when he speaks, I don't try to work my way out of it. And I tell you this, I've been in ministry long enough that I've prayed with people at the altar weeping in the moment because God has called them to the Middle East. And they're weeping. You know why? Because they know that it could be their life. And then they chalk it up for an emotional moment as they pray about it. And there's some of those students I know right now that I prayed with that they felt called in that moment that are still not there. And all, I'm, all I believe is that following God is far better than anything else. Following Jesus, his call on our life is far better than anything else. You, trust me, you want to be where he wants you to be more than anywhere else. And some would say, well, it's difficult. Yeah, it's difficult. He doesn't promise us like peaches and cream every morning. You know what I'm saying? Like, but the promise is that he'd be with us. Whether it's in the fire, through the fire, right? Like he's with us. And I'd rather be there than facing the fire without him. That's the thing that I see in this moment is that how does the angel of the Lord announce that he fears God? It's because he obeys immediately. And we see throughout scripture and through the testing of time that it, Abraham grew to trust God enough that even though he didn't understand what God was asking. You see, that's the next point is that, that we need to obey even when we don't understand. Listen, I, I really believe that we, 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 we operate in this place like, I'll do it, but I need to know the outcome. I need to know how this is all gonna work out. What does this mean for my family? What does this mean for my neighbors? What does this mean? Because we wanna know. But God's looking for a people that would fear him enough that we'd walk in obedience without knowing the outcome because we trust him. And let me just be honest with you. I really believe that 
we live in a way that we determine whether God has called us to do something by the results, but the results are not up to you, they're up to him. And, and we will fear God a whole lot more when we no longer care about what we look like or what, what the results are. And we just say, come on, he's worthy of looking like a fool. He's so worthy. But we're so concerned about self-preservation that we often miss out on what God has for us because we're more concerned about saving ourselves and living in a way that is, is comfortable. You know, I don't know about, about you, we work with the younger generation and uncomfortable is like a bad word, right? So if, if I'm uncomfortable, it's bad. But I don't know if you could read the scriptures and watch these men and women of God say, oh, they had a comfortable life. I don't think Daniel being shipped off to Babylon was like, woohoo! Joseph, I don't think he was like, come on, my brothers just throw me into slavery. This is great. What a comfortable life. But God used them powerfully. I had so many more. Paul, Paul, you read what he went through. There was nothing about comfortable. Yet all of a sudden here in the West, we think that following God means being comfortable. But I, God, I, don't, I don't think that's the truth. And we won't follow him very far if we're searching for comfort more than we're searching for him. And so, man, what if we embrace being uncomfortable and being willing to look like a fool for his glory and for his namesake? I remember leading a trip to Colombia. South America, we, I don't know if you know this, but again, more of our fruit, we planted Chi Alpha in Colombia. They're on 12 different campuses right now. That is part of your fruit. You're reaping fruit in Colombia right now as we speak. We are going into this school and the, on the way in, the, the leader, the missionary says, hey, I just want you to know that this school is, is run by, um, by basically a witch, someone who practices voodoo and all that kind of stuff. So we, we amp up the prayer. We're praying. I'm believing for a, a Baal Yahweh showdown at this school, right? We'll sh- you know, we walk in. I'm like, what? I just feel like something was up, right? And, and one of the girls on the team says, hey, by the way, I had a dream last night of an eye. I was like, oh, tell me about it. Well, it's just a dream of an eye. I'm like, oh, great, thanks. And so we, we walk in the school, and all of a sudden she goes, there it is. I was like, what? She's like, the eye. There, there was a painting of an eye on the school. And, and something in my spirit just was like, God wants to do something special here. Like, why would he reveal this school that we're going to this young lady? I didn't, I didn't know what, but I did believe that God, if there's anybody here with any kind of physical ailment, we're going to pray for healing. And like, that's what I told the Lord walking through. So we get done with our presentation. We shared a couple testimonies and I'm, I'm about to get up to share the gospel. And there's a thousand students in this auditorium and there's one young man standing up and he's only got one eye. And my heart started beating out of my chest. I don't know if you've ever been in that moment. You're like, I know I'm supposed to do something here, but I've never done anything like this before in my life. And so I did what the right thing to do is. I thought, let me submit this to the missionary because she'll never let me do this. So I walked over to the missionary and I said, hey, I think I'm supposed to pray for this guy. It's I to grow back. She said, did the Lord say that? I said, yes. She said, well, then you better do it. 
I was like, okay, not what I was expecting, you know? And so I called this young man forward and I asked him, hey, what happened to your eye? He said, I was born without an eyeball. And I said, well, could I pray that Jesus grow back your eye? And he said, sure. So in front of these, all of his classmates, I put my hand over his eye and I start praying. Jesus, for a creative miracle right now that his eyeball would be restored in Jesus' name. And I feel like his muscles around his eye like twitching. And I'm like, amen, because I'm expecting to see an eye. There's no eye. I'm like, wait, 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 wait. This is going to happen because I'm, I'm so convinced this is going to happen. So I pray three more times. There's no eye. We get back in the car and the students like asking me, my students now are saying, I guess you missed it. No, I don't, I don't think I missed it. I think I heard the voice of the Lord. I don't know why God didn't do it. Maybe he just wanted me to look like a fool. Will I be okay with looking like a fool and leave the results up to God? I don't know how God would use it in his life. Maybe the boy woke up the next morning with an eyeball. I don't know. And I may never know. But I know in the moment that I needed to be obedient. And sometimes I think God wants to know, will you just be obedient even if it doesn't turn out the way you think it ought to turn out? But we'll never do that if we don't fear God. We've got to fear God. There's a, a church I went to when, right after I got saved. Church was growing, 200 people. The pastor and his wife, we went out to lunch one day and I was asking her, you know, asking them, what's one of the craziest things God's ever asked you to do? And they, start, they looked at each other. So I was like, oh, this is gonna be good. You know, they, they had that little smirk, you know. And she was talking about how one day in worship, God told her to do cartwheels across the stage. So she did exactly what I did. I'm gonna tell my husband because there ain't no way he's gonna ever let me do that. So she goes up to her husband and says, God just told me to do cartwheels across the stage. And he said, did God really tell you to do that? She said, yeah. He said, well, you better do it. She's like, <laughs> so she does it. And a man way back, about three rows back from the, the, the end of the sanctuary, screams out, ah, and falls to the ground. So the elders of the church run over and say, are you okay? Like thinking it's a heart attack or something's going on. He's like, you'll never believe this. I was giving God one last chance. And I said, God, if you're real, you'd send somebody doing cartwheels across the stage today. Now, some other people might have left the church. <laughs> but this guy's life was never the same. Why? Because a woman of God feared God enough to walk in obedience, even though she looked like a fool. I don't, like I said, I don't think Abraham fully understood. But God is looking for people to obey even when we don't understand. And what would this nation look like if men and women started to fear God like that? Next, we see that, how many days did it take for him to get there? Three days. Now, okay, come on, like, scholars believe, 
Isaac is in his teenage years, probably about 13. The moment Abraham gets this directive from God, guess what he knows? Isaac is dead. Because he also understood that burnt offering is not just you throw somebody on fire, that you kill it and then burn it. I have to believe there are memories going through Abraham's mind. First words, first steps, the first time we threw a ball, first time I showed him whatever they did, (laughs) carving a spear, whatever it is. But I believe because you know what? I'm a father. And I don't know if you've ever had a moment with your children where you're like, I hope they're still alive. And sometimes we, we get worried about the craziest things, you know, like, and you start, what happens in those moments? You start having memories of, of your child flash through your mind. I maybe nobody else is like that, but that's me. You know, like when I'm like, oh no, they haven't called in a while. I believe Abraham had some memories go through his mind. But not only that, it was a three-day journey. He sets out immediately in the morning, and then he's walking. I believe there was conversation. He's 13. We see conversation in the Scripture. But what did the conversation look like on day one? Day two. Day three. I don't believe three days is a very long time. But I will say this, I believe it was an eternity for Abraham. Because God is looking for people that will fear him enough to obey over a prolonged period of time. That that we would just keep going in the direction that he has called us to. You see, I also get concerned because I think that when we go into a a direction that God has called us and things get even more difficult, more uncomfortable, or, you know, we we start, we we wrestle with it in our heart, in our mind. Long enough, sometimes we reason ourselves out of obedience because of the, the length of time in which God has called us to do that. And let me just tell you something, as a missionary, we wrestle with those moments. I don't know why sometimes, because it's not like I can go get a job and make more money. <laughs> but I, re- I, I wrestle with that sometimes. Maybe it's the benefits. Maybe it's the, I'm just, the fight every day. It's real. Just like it's real for you. But I get no option of leaving my post until God says otherwise. God is looking for people that fear him, that just because things get difficult, just because things aren't working out the way they are, just because finances don't work out or health isn't the, the best or whatever that is for going on in our life doesn't mean we get to say, you know what, God, I'm done. No, we only get to say I'm done when God says I'm done. Right? Like he's just looking for people. In fact, he's looking for people that will be faithful to the end. And, and, and we can't just decide that all of a sudden we get to call the shots 
because it's not working out the way that I think it, is work, it should work out. And I, I think Abraham had this moment of, of camping out with his son. Like, these are the last couple of days I'm going to spend with him. Did I hear God correctly? Maybe I made it up. Maybe it was something I ate. God, are you really in this? Are you really with me? We've got to be people that fear God and understand that it doesn't matter even how you feel. He's God. And so when, when we don't feel great about what's going on in our life, we, we don't get to just turn around, leave our post, walk away. He's God. And the truth is, is that we can trust him. He's faithful. And he has an incredible track record He's looking for people to obey over a prolonged period of time. Lastly, I just think it's powerful that he obeyed to completion. How do I know? Well, he built an altar. Again, do you think that, I, I just, whenever I read scripture, I'm like putting myself in this moment. I've got a 14-year-old son. Not, not that much different than what, how old Isaac is at this moment. When we're walking up the mountain, and he's carrying, Isaac's carrying the wood, and he's like, Dad, I see the fire, I see the wood, but where's the lamb? He's like, God will provide. And he's building this altar. But then he binds his son. It says he bound Isaac. Well, I just want you to know, I mean, what, is, what do you think that looked like? Okay, Dad. No, Dad, what are you doing? This is crazy. Who, what are you, why are you binding me? Like, what, this doesn't make any sense, Dad. And fear and us hearts racing and all of these emotions are happening all in this moment. I just don't believe Isaac was like up on the altar. Let's do it. He's like, wait, Dad, did you tell Mom? Is Mom okay with this? Just, I still can't fathom what it was like to tie up your own son, to lay him on an altar, and to pick up a knife. I mean, it says the scripture says he grabbed the knife. He was ready to drive it through. Let me just tell you something. Praise God, Abraham knew the voice of God. Knew the voice, right? It says an angel, but I don't know. But I'm just saying, praise God that he listened He obeyed to completion. That we would all fear God and obey. Obey until it's over. That we would walk in such a way that we would obey immediately. 
that we would obey even when we don't understand, that we would obey in a prolonged direction until he calls us home, that we would obey unto completion. He's looking for men and women that will be faithful unto the end. What is holding you back from living that way? Do you trust him? We trust him with our eternity, but struggle to trust him with our life. We need to grow in this fear of God. It's an invitation to intimacy. Fearing God and walking in obedience, it's, he knows what's best. We've all been there. Where we've taken things into our own hands and made a mess of something. Because we operated from a place of fear of man, fear of the future. And I believe God, he wants to raise up a people that will just be marked by the fear of the Lord. But the fear of the Lord looks like we no longer have the right to make decisions, call the shots. Do we really believe God wants to be that intimate with us that he wants to be a part of every aspect of your life? He wants to be a part of your future. He wants to be a part of the now. He wants to be a part of your finances. He wants to be a part of your family, raising your kids. He wants to be a part of your career. He wants to be a part of your social life. He wants to be a part of everything about you. He can't just remain in certain aspects of of your life. He wants it all. You see, Jesus came and he left all of heaven and he came to earth because he wanted all people. And he died on a cross because he loved all people. And he rose again for all people. You see, our God is the God of all, and he wants all of your life. And he is absolutely the only one that is worthy of all of your life. But will we surrender and will we believe that today? I don't know about you, but I don't want to miss out. I don't, I don't want to miss out. I don't care. Right, and this is something I gotta tell myself. I don't care how difficult. 
I don't care how great. I just want you. I just want to be with you. I just want to be where you are. I just want to love him. And we love him by obeying his commands. You see, there's this intimacy thing through the fear of the Lord. The Bible says that friendship with God, Psalms 25, 14, friendship with God is reserved for those who fear him. Proverbs 1, 7, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge or some wisdom. It's where we start. And so this morning, what do you think is, what do you think are the things in the way right now in your heart and in your life? What have we allowed in our heart and in our life to keep us from really stepping into the fullness of the fear of the Lord? Maybe for some of us today, it's just, man, I'm really comfortable. I'm really comfortable with my, my job. I'm really comfortable with the neighborhood I live in. I'm really comfortable. Maybe for some of us, it's, fear of the wrong things. Maybe the fear of man has kept me from being able to fear God, to live for him wholeheartedly. Maybe for some of us, it's our family. What, what will really happen, God, if, if, if I walk in obedience immediately, if I walk in obedience when I don't understand, when I walk in obedience in a prolonged direction, when I walk in obedience to completion, what's gonna happen to my family? God, that dream you put in my heart a long time ago that I've been putting on the shelf because I don't know how it's gonna really happen. Like, I don't know how, right? Who's gonna take care of mom and dad? Who's gonna take care of whatever it is, right? Like we, we sometimes we're like, man, I don't even know, God, if I could walk in obedience because of the dog. Who's gonna take care of the dog? Like we, 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 we struggle with these things. Let's be real this morning. And before God, that we really say, God, I, I don't want anything to get in the way. I don't want anything to get in the way of, of living with a holy reverence that leads to obedience, that the fear of God would mark my life. But we've got to believe that it's the best way to live. Yeah. And so maybe that's where you start this morning. God, forgive me because I, I don't know if I even believe this. Could God, could you really ask me 
to lay these things down? Could you really ask me to, to make a fool of myself before my coworkers because I love Jesus? Would you really ask me to talk to people in Walmart? Would you really ask me to pack up and move across the globe? Would you really ask me to do that? God, I don't know if I could believe that you would want to make my, my life more uncomfortable. You're the God of love. Yes, he is. He is love. And he loves people so much that he knows exactly what they were created for. And you, you were created for him. I'm gonna close in prayer and I'm just gonna open up these altars if you feel like either you need to repent because you've recognized that the fear of man or the, I don't know, maybe just even laying down your life is just something that you wanna resist. I invite you to come forward. Maybe some people here recognize man I get it. And I so desperately want to be marked by the fear of God in my life. I believe God wants to do that this morning. I believe the day and age we live, we need people that are going to fear God and walk in obedience. You know, in the West, we've had it so comfortable, we really have. But I wonder if there's a time coming where we won't have the freedom we have to talk about Jesus. And the only way you talk about Jesus when your life is on the line is that you have a holy reverence for him. Today we have the freedom, but we don't use it. God, mark us with a holy fear. Mark us this morning. So I'm gonna pray if you feel like you wanna come forward for prayer for any of those things, I invite you to come. Jesus, oh God, there's no one like you. You are the Alpha and the Omega. You are the all-powerful one. You are the great I am, the all-sufficient one. the savior of the world. And God, you're so trustworthy. And so God, first we just say, we're sorry. We're so sorry for not trusting you. We're so sorry for the way that we've taken things into our own hands. We're so sorry for calling the shots and not allowing you to be the Lord of our life. God, we're so sorry. God, we start there, God. Change the way we think. Holy Spirit, come. And God, we ask that today would be a day, God, that you mark us with the fear of the Lord. 
I want to obey immediately, God. I don't want to delay or over-spiritualize my, my disobedience anymore, God. I want to obey immediately. God, I want to obey even when I don't understand. God, I want to obey to completion. I want to obey, God, in a, in, a, in, in a prolonged direction. God, until you say otherwise, God. I want to hold my post. The assignment in which you've given me, God, I want to hold it, God. So God, help me to fear you. To have a holy reverence that leads to obedience. God, mark us this morning. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. These altars are open if you'd like to come for prayer.
so many times we tried to do things on our own instead of just giving it to God and I feel like there's somebody here this morning and you've tried to fix it and you've tried to fix it and you've tried to fix it and you just can't fix it you haven't give up and in fact you won't give up but I feel like this morning you need to just take whatever that is and just say God I just give it to you I even had this image in my mind you can do this or not do this but write it down. It may be somebody's name. It may be a situation. Write it down. Bring it to the altar and tear it in little pieces and lay it before the Lord. Say, God, I'm just giving it to you. Because I've tried everything and I can't fix this. Church, I've had to do that before. Because there's sometimes there's some things you just can't fix. And when you finally surrender and just give it to God, He'll fix it. I've even had situations where I've known people and, and it's like I just give up and God says, good. That's what I've been waiting for you to do. I'm waiting for you to give up because if you step aside, I will fix this for you. So I'm going to ask the worship team, if you do it, just sing that song one more time and let's just take a few minutes and let the Holy Spirit have its way this morning. But I believe, I believe somebody needs to really just lay that before the Lord. Amen. Allow us to have an opportunity to come in agreement with you and pray with you this morning. Hunter. Oh, yeah, 
encourage you, if, if you actually need a touch in your body today, that there's a physical need, we'd love to, to pray with you. And also just want to encourage you to, to continue to maybe just even linger here in the presence. There's a sweet, sweet presence of the Lord this morning. And so I just want to encourage you. That, but if you, if you need a touch in your body, we'd love to pray for you.
tongues to sing my great Redeemer's praise. The glories of my God and King, the triumphs of His grace. Church, just let's keep praying. I just believe God's not through here. He's got something. But, you know, God's doing something very special here this morning because Pastor Joel and I were, were just over there talking about the move of the Spirit and what's happening. And, and uh, Pastor Joel said the people are really hungry today. And that's true. You know, and I said, well, Joel, I said a lot of times I feel like the people look to me to provide that. And what you need to understand, church, is sometimes the anointing is not here for me to do those things. God anoints you to do certain things. God spoke to Michelle this morning and said, I want you to pray for the sick. So they came to me and said, is it okay if she prays for the sick? I said, absolutely, you know, because the anointing is on them to do that. My job is to facilitate. The Bible says God gave apostles and prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers for the perfecting of the saints for the work of the ministry. So we facilitated this morning others who have the anointing to do what God called them to do this morning. And so you need to step out in faith. If God's anointing is here to do those things, then go come and say, all right, I, I need this done in my life. Will you come in agreement? Will you pray for me or whatever? And so that's what we're doing this morning. So let's just take a few more minutes. I, I hope you don't have anything important you have to do that's more important than let God have his way. Amen. <laughs> And let's just let the Holy Spirit move this morning. I'm going to let the worship team do another song while we just wait on the Spirit and see what He wants to do this morning. Yeah. You stood outside my grave With tears still on your face Say my name. My night was turned to day when you came. I knew that you would come. You sang. My heart it woke up. I'm not afraid. I see.
Isn't this a precious couple? Amen. I just want you to close in prayer. Would you do that? Hallelujah. Thank you, God, for your presence. Oh, God, thank you for your presence, Holy Spirit. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I thank you, Lord God, that this is a church, Lord God, that is willing to host your presence. Lord God, willing, Lord God, to be a host of your presence, Lord God. It's hungry for more of you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord God, for what you've done in our hearts this morning, Lord God. Teach us to obey you immediately, God. Teach us to obey you even when it's not easy. Lord God, teach us, Lord God, and help us, Lord God, to stay in the fight, Lord God, as long as you call us to, especially in the place of prayer. 
especially in the place of prayer, Lord God. Some of us have been praying for a long time for certain things. And when Anthony was talking about prolonged obedience, I just really sense that the Lord has not released you from that prayer point. Is not released. Sometimes we want to be released from something in prayer, but the Lord is calling us to continue to tarry and watch in the place of prayer. So, Lord, I just pray, even keep us in the place of prayer, Lord God, in faith, Lord God. Lord God, thank you, Lord God, for Pastor Bernie's word that some of us are in a frame right now and it feels like we'll never get out of it and it's hopeless. But I thank you, Lord. It's just like you said, it's just a frame, Lord God. And we believe for breakthrough has happened this morning. Lord God, out of this frame. Lord God, you've broken us out of this frame this morning, whether that's a mental breakthrough, an emotional breakthrough, a, a physical breakthrough. Lord God, you broke us out of this frame and into the next, into the new things of you, Lord God. We're onward in you, God, this morning. Onward in you, Jesus. Thank you for physical healing all over this place, Lord God. Thank you for healings that were taking place. I had a, a word of knowledge that somebody with a right shoulder rotator cuff, something in the right shoulder God wanted to heal this morning. Whoever that is, Lord God, I pray, heal it in Jesus' name. Heal it in Jesus' name, Lord God. Heal it in Jesus' name. And Lord, we just thank you, Lord God, for doing a work of emotional healing as well, Lord God healing from damaged emotions and trauma. Lord God, thank you for deep healing. Thank you for the depth of the work of the cross and the blood of Jesus. Lord God, thank you for your spirit this morning, for touching us deeply this morning. In your name we pray, amen. Amen. Thank you, Michelle. Every Sunday I speak a blessing over the body of Christ. So if you would just bow your head. Father, in Jesus' name. I speak a blessing over the body of Christ and on everyone, Lord, it's under the sound of my voice. May you bless their home, God. May it be a refuge, Lord, an escape from the world. Lord, may it be a place where the Holy Spirit is welcome. God, I pray that you strengthen the family, Lord, husbands and their wives, parents and their children, siblings, one with each other. Lord, I pray that you would just bring those who are walking their journey alone together with the person that you have chosen for them, God, that they find that person, Lord, that they can start their journey together, Lord, and it would be a godly home, God. Now, Lord, if they're content just to follow you, Lord, and, and, and they're not looking for a mate, Lord, they're just content to be your, your mate, God, then you just wrap your arms around them and you keep them, I pray. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen.